Sink a little ship. Sink a little ship. Sink a little ship with me. Welcome to Historically Adjacent, presented by the Presequential Podcast. I am Russ Slivka, and joined as always by my good friend Ryan Allwart and Blaine Zimmerman. <laughs> Season 5, Episode 7. I've gotten some good feedback recently, so good friend and colleague and guest Stingray Rob came to my son's cross-country meet and said that when he was back home in Idaho this week, somebody told him that they loved him on the a podcast. And they were like, yeah, the podcast is great. And he was like, oh, you should check out the presidential mm. versions of it. He's like, no, I've listened to it all. Wow. <laughs> I was like, that's oh a very my. short amount of time. Yeah, that that's, is. That's but a, thank you for doing that. That's a lot of episodes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Yes, this is episode seven. For those uninitiated, we are each coming to the table with a historically adjacent story that none of the other two know what we're going to say. Yeah. We're going to start with my good friend, Ryan Allwart. Let's go. So, Ryan, yeah. why don't you kick off the festivities for tonight? By the way, I know this is a month late, but currently, happy Yom Kippur. Is it happy it's really not a happy holiday. Oh, it's not. I thought no, no I thought it was cuz you're cleansed, right? Yeah, you are afterwards. But it's okay. like a day of atonement, like it's not a real mm. rah, oh. rah happy holiday. So Morose holidays. Yeah. So what do you say to someone when you're greeting someone on Yom Kippur? Yeah, what do you say? It's not Merry Yom Kippur. It's not what do you say? It's uh Gamar Hatima Tova. Tova, Tova. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But usually say like have an easy fast. That's the okay. Oh, okay. that's, that's yeah. the greeting no, for that Yom makes Kippur. Sense. Yeah, have yeah. an easy fast. Yeah. Right. I was just I was glad we got you at the beginning of Yom Kippur and not the end because you're not grumpy yet. Yeah. I'm a little you grumpy. Would. A little grumpy? Well, a little fair. grumpy. Yeah. yeah. When aren't you? Can you drink like, like water? You're not supposed to. Not unless even water? No. Not unless you're like taking medicine or okay. you're young or old. Wow. No no water. So you're or neither food. young nor old. Yeah, I'm right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah. All right. Congrats. Uh, Blaine, I also want to say uh, congratulations to you on recently being inducted into your alma mater Athletic Hall of Fame, Hamilton yes. Heights yeah, in thanks. Cicero, Indiana. It was, an, it. it was an honor to be there with my dad. It was a lot of fun to have you and your dad there. It we was... sat second row, dead center. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> it was great. It was a fun day. Um, yeah. And it was highlighted by uh, the presence of Elmer Allward. Well, my dad was still talking about it today. By the was way. he? He's like, man, you should have. He was talking to my mom. He's like, Kath, you should have seen the pictures of Blaine running in high school. Wow. The <laughs> determination on these pictures. Looked like he could have been on a Wheaties box, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're jumping in. Story one of three for the night. Blaine, you're the only one drinking. I'm drinking water. Russ, you're drinking nothing. Thanks for pointing that out. But, yeah. Uh, Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> cheers to all of you. This guy is, uh, he's just been on my mind a little bit as I've been kind of in a revolutionary war season of reading, like even after the podcast of just kind of read a handful of books and listen to some podcasts. And this guy keeps popping up for a number of different reasons. One was like this logistical feat that he was part of. But two, he's just he just seems like a guy that would be really fun to have a beer with. Yeah. Is it because he was the first president of the United States? <laughs> no, no, okay. it's not it's not George Washington. All right. Although just coming out of the woods with a sword. <laughs> there is a close tie to George yeah, uh, well, with this I mean, guy. Yeah, the Revolutionary War. Well, yeah. I we talked we talked a little bit about Henry Knox in George's episode. Do you remember the name Henry Knox? Fort Knox. Fort Knox is named after him, yes, in oh, Kentucky there. Hank. Good old Hank Knox. Hank Knox. He was a Boston bookseller who ended up becoming, yeah, flash forward, he would become the senior general in the Continental Army, or a senior general in the Continental Army under Washington. But he was PAO. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for the slight shade thrown at my father and his naval career, his illustrious naval career. Sorry, my dad doesn't listen. But yeah, Henry Knox, he was born in Boston. Eventually, in like his early 20s, he opened up a bookstore that was really popular, and it was frequented by both the British officers who were stationed there, but also the colonists loved. It was kind of like the place to be seen. It was sort of like the Studio 54 of Boston <laughs> bookstores. <laughs> he essentially was like this improviser. He was a great improviser. Knox oh. and Noble. Like everything he was able to do in life, he wasn't necessarily richly educated in he just 
self-educated. Like he just would read books. He did his own research. He did. <laughs> and this was also back in the day. He would add things to the backs of the books in his bookstore that, you know, and reread a book. What's the first thing that you do at a bookstore when you pick out a book on the shelf? What do you typically do besides look at the cover? Smell it. Smell yeah. it. Okay. Feel the weight of it yeah, in my weight. hands. Okay. Uh, do you open it? Do you turn it around? What do you do after you sniff a book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually that's about when I'm like, ah, I got to poop. Okay. Um, the, I mean, that's a, it's a natural phenomenon. Does the scent of books uh, make you yeah. need to poop? You know, it's, just, it's scientifically proven. Huh. Yeah. That I've never heard that. Make you want to have to poop. Yeah. What's the? It's it pretty up. cool. It's a thing. I'm it's pretty a, sure it has something to do Japanese with thing. the fact that you're in a place where you're comfortable, so your body naturally mm. relaxes. But uh-huh. yes, it is a Japanese thing. That mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I guess I'd read about what the book's about. Okay. Where would yeah. you do that? Either on the inside flap or the back. Or the back. Yeah. Okay. So we have Henry Knox to thank for that. Oh, okay. He was, I knew I kind of knew that's where you were going, so yeah. I was trying to think of something so, else. So <laughs> fine. Henry Knox, you know, back in the day when book binding was more of a luxury than a commodity. They just had loose leaf books before them? Yeah. Just tons of pamphlets. <laughs> they would just have the cover with like name of the name of the title and the name of the author. He would write uh, or I don't know how he would adhere it to the back, but he would essentially write the synopsis of a book oh. of like, here's what you're about to read if you're going to read this book, which from a, hey, people want to hang out at my bookstore standpoint, it's kind of cool because it gets people sitting there longer and talking about, oh, yeah, I read that, da 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 Anyway, yeah. so very popular bookseller. While he is selling books in Baston, he reads a lot of military uh, history, military strategy, military just engineering tactics and that prepares him for his future role which we'll get to in a sec but on march 5th 1770 he was a witness to the boston massacre so he was there on site according to what (laughs) you just did air quotes massacre oh well uh if you're british it was the uh the incident on king street oh yeah three people died not a massacre i think it was it was three was it three Three people were massacred. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Anyway, he was there. They uh, threw rocks. Shoot him. (laughs) He did an affidavit, and he said, I was trying to defuse the the situation. He was like, guys, it was just rocks. (laughs) Well, this was interesting because he was known by both sides, though. So the fact that he was present there trying to defuse the situation. Hmm. He's an ombudsman. Ombudsman? Ombudsman. What's that mean? I don't know Uh, what that means. It's like a, a litigator, not a litigator. What's... Oh, like a mediator. Mediator, yeah. Mediator. Okay. It's called an ombudsman. Ombudsman. O m b u n d s m a n. I could have that entirely wrong. Ombudsman. Yeah. Do you know what Mariko Aoki phenomenon is? Nope. That's but the I, book. I feel like I'm about to. It means the sudden urge some people feel to empty their bowels when in a bookstore. <laughs> See, it's a real thing. What's it, it called? Is. It's called Mariko Aoki. M a r i k o space. A-O-K-I. A-O-K-I. Oof. Got some Maroki Aoki. There. Sounds like a Japanese DJ. Yeah. Right? It does. Shortly before his 23rd birthday, he accidentally blew off two fingers uh, from his left hand, <laughs> managed to bind up the wood, reach a doctor, eventually got it fixed. Oh, um, so he got to use his bookbinding experience to mm-hmm. save his fingers? That's How correct. did he blow off his fingers? <laughs> I think he was hunting like pheasant or some sort of mm-hmm. poultry. With and- Dick Cheney. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, he was a son of liberty. He married the, his the wife. Statue? I'm sorry, what? Like the statues, his mom? Yes, he was a son of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> he, uh, it's unknown if he participated in the Boston Tea Party, but he was part of the guard duty before the incident to make sure that no tea was like unloaded from one of the ships. So we don't really know if he was like actively involved, but he was there. Don't um, don't unload the tea. We have to unload it later in a different way. Just leave it. <laughs> Just please leave it we, here. There's a plan here for unloading the tea. His wife, her name was Lucy Flucker. <laughs> oh, come on. That sounds like a president of the United States of America song. Lucy Flucker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what song you're talking about. No, I'm just in general, like oh, Lucy okay. Flucker Lucy sounds Flucker. like the name. Yeah. That sounds like something they would name a song. Yeah. Which, you know, if logically his mother-in-law, he may have referred to as Mother Flucker. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. That's where it came it's possible. Yeah, no, it was good. interesting because he married into a family that was um, that were loyalists. So Meet that the was flockers. interesting. The f- <laughs> Meet the flockers. His, his father-in-law like interrogated him in the basement. <laughs> yeah. 
I got nipples. Can yeah. you milk me, Henry? Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of an interesting dynamic relationally that his wife came from, you know, the loyalist side. He was a colonialist. So the big thing that we know about Henry Knox before the war really, really kicks off was he was part of the plan of getting all the captured British cannon at Fort Ticonderoga up in upstate New York all the way back to Boston. I think it was like 300 miles, if not more. Oh, yeah. I remember this. With Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys, if you remember that. Mm -hmm. So logistically, Fort Ticonderoga is captured. There's much-needed artillery in the fort that Washington orders Knox to go get. And Ethan Allen's like, I I know how I could just display it better. (laughs) I got a really good plan for how we're going to display this when we get back. Maybe a couple end tizzles. Cushions on it. Yeah. What about a throw pillow, sir? (laughs) You know, you can read all kinds of books about the, the actual, uh, it's called the noble train of artillery where he's in charge of this team of kind of ragtag guys who say, wait a second, it's, it's in the dead of winter. So they're freezing cold. They have to go get this cannon many of which weigh more than a ton each. And they have to use horses and oxen. They have to clear trails. They have to cross frozen lakes. Sometimes the lakes cracked open. They lost a cannon. Then they had to go get the cannon back from the bottom of the lake somehow. Then Leave it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need the cannon. Yeah, I think we can leave that one back. Yeah. Uh, And then the ground starts to thaw as the weather changes. So instead of being in snow, now they're in mud. Russia problem. And they do it, though. Somehow they do it. They get it all back to Boston. This is the scene in the Siege of Boston when Washington and Knox get these cannons set up can't remember where it was. Uh, Dor- Dorchester Heights, Dosta Heights. Yeah, I don't I know how you say it. I guarantee you, it's not Dorchester. Dosta. Dost- <laughs> yes. oh, I just got it. That Dosta Heights. But the British Army woke up the next morning and sees this. Uh, they woke up artillery. Like this. Yeah, and they're like, "How in the absolute hell did the was this in Brooklyn this or was this in Boston? No, this was in Boston. Oh, because wasn't there like a similar situation? No, in Brooklyn they just stole all their. They just ran over and stole all mm-hmm. their artillery. Oh yeah, but the fact that he could, without any knowledge, or with well, not knowledge, but without any formal military training or logistical training, and Blaine, you could probably speak to how much uh, you know logistical. I don't know, but. It's it's a feat to say the less seemingly impossible where he was just like, okay, I'll go learn what I got to learn and go do it. And everybody loved him. I would argue that probably doesn't have a whole lot to do with any like prior military stuff. Like if you know how to move freight, you know how to move freight. Like it doesn't really have anything to do with military because there weren't he wasn't moving it through active battlefields. So he wasn't like trying to clear enemy of an area, then move something. He was literally just moving things from point A to point B. How do you think they got the cannon up from the bottom of the frozen lake? Police. Yeah, but you got to like. I don't know, man. He you even see to the bottom yeah. of like it to seventeen like, dudes on a rope thrown over well, a tree. It, it, you think it took like them fish something for it and to hook it, like lasso like it underwater. Have a guy dive in there and tie it up. I think oh, even yeah. when they got to the fort, it took them like three days to just figure out like how are we even going to get all this gonna, water out of out here? Of how are we going to dry it out? <laughs> They just turn it over and it's just construct, construct, Uh Knox was in charge of logistics in the crossing of the Delaware that preceded December 26th. So, like, he was actively involved in a lot of these big moments. He's or, like, sit down, George. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, to go back to the presidents, do you remember the future U.S. president who James was Madison. on the boat with Washington? Madison. One more. Go. Monroe. There you go. James Monroe. Same Same guy. There you go. Uh, it's same, same. Have you ever seen both of them in a room together? No, I have That's not. Really Prove me wrong. They're uh, they're both dead. Anyway, he was. Did they both exist? <laughs> this is my question. Yes, they did. Maybe yes, did they? they? Did. Or was it one guy? Just James Monroe was just two James Madisons in a trench coat, <laughs> Scooby Doo style, like Kermit the Frog showing up dressed up in a trench coat as a reporter. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, was he on Sesame? Okay. Was Henry Knox on Sesame Street? No, no, no. no. That was after him. Was Kermit the Frog ever on Sesame Street as a reporter? I had this conversation this week, and I feel like he was. I feel like he was in The Muppet Show as a reporter, but are you saying, did he cross over to the Sesame Street universe? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I bet Lauren, my wife, would know if she were here. She was a big uh, Muppet fan. Do you feel like Ernie and Kermit have the exact same voice? Yeah. Yeah, it's he really wasn't, close. So he did. Really he close. was a uh, uh, 
what you a reporter reporter and he talked to elmo he interviewed elmo yeah he did mm. he was part of the court martial the british officer john andre who when he was arrested and i could do another one on him because that's a pretty cool character major john andre was the british officer whose arrest eventually exposed benedict arnold's being a traitor. Kermit and was on Sesame Street from 1969 to 1990. Dang, that's a long career. Yeah, so he was on Sesame Street. That's a long run. He became the Continental Army's youngest major general. Oh, he was two stars. Yeah, two stars. He became the Secretary of War. Like, this is a guy who really, he was just a... Is he still running the bookshop? No, the bookshop oh. was looted oh. in the Siege of Boston probably around 1775-ish, 6 Somewhere mm-hmm. around there. So lost his... That's when people are like, don't go downtown Boston. It's too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go south of the North End. Yeah. I just I just don't like to. But after the war, he goes back home to Massachusetts. He then gets invited to become the United States Secretary of War in 1785. We talked a little bit about... you. Know, I mean, Washington was just a very tall, imposing figure, you know, and how sometimes height had its way of just being like all right we should put that guy in charge yeah so henry knox was also pretty big six three weighed about 300 pounds and so he was just this huge hulking character that and he was also like an extroverted jovial kind of guy which i think is what drew a lot of people to him but that is part of the factor that got him to be so close to washington and associated with him and it was like well he can get the job done let's make him secretary yeah, of war i'm imagining he looks like the guy from the christmas claymation shows that's like big red hair giant red beard <laughs> yeah like because that guy in my head is six foot three, three hundred pounds. Yeah, what yeah. was that guy's name? I don't he know. He probably just reached into the bottom of the lake and pulled just the pulled cannon. Up the cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Took a bite out of it. <laughs> he was also, and this is kind of my last point about Henry Knox, he was responsible for managing the early country's relationships with Native Americans. And so <laughs> he actually really pushed for the fact this is where we we're getting into his failures. No, he oh. he pushed for There's a quote from him. uh, This is, what, 1790? He said, quote, The Indians, being the prior occupants of this land, possess the right to the soil. It cannot be taken from them except by their consent or by rights of conquest in case of a just war. To dispossess them on any other principle would be a great violation of the fundamental laws of nature. And so he at the time was a real idealist about the relationship that we had you know, And no one was really, really thinking, hey, man, the huge westward expansion of, like, you know, 1860 through 80 ish, you know, this is a hundred years ish prior to that. And so he really did push for, they, they own this land. They were here first, which I thought was interesting because, you know, a lot of the conversation today is how many, if not all the founders were horrible people. It's like, well, I mean, this guy was not necessarily a founder, but he was in the mix and he was like, Hey, I think, you know, I think, um, we should let them own their land. Let's talk about it if they want to sell it. Let's invite them into that conversation as opposed to just going and taking over. That was yeah. one of the f- couple oh, things. Is it that- possible that because he was like that, he's not remembered fondly? Yeah. There is commentary in in the research that I did about how he was in the minority in that opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was big, definitely in the minority yeah. in that opinion. And so that might not be why people really remember or might not be the thing that they remember most about him. But Or it could just be because, like why he wasn't written in as like a more important historical figure. Figure mm-hmm. because he didn't have the opinions that they wanted to promote at the yes. time. Yeah. And so yeah. over time he gets forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he, I think followed. I mean, he does have a fort named after him though. He does. That's true. But mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I could start naming off forts right now and you wouldn't know anything <laughs> about those people. There's very 100%. few that you would like Eisenhower. They just renamed Gordon Eisenhower. Like, you know, that one. I've never even heard that name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a president, Russ. Oh. Um, Do you say Gordon Eisenhower? Daryl no, Eisenhower. renamed Fort Gordon. Oh, oh. I see. Okay. Who's Fort Gordon named after? Gordon Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once yeah. he died, they had to rename it. Mm-hmm. They renamed all the forts that were named after Confederate generals. Oh. So oh. Fort Gordon was... It was just... I mean, the whole like renaming of the forts thing was like a real... Got people up in arms. Yeah, like, sure. oh, yeah, it's history. Like, yeah, but like they lost. In what yeah. other... Well, Show me the other country that has military bases named after generals from a fighting force that they beat. Mm. I can't. Because it doesn't exist. It's such a yeah. weird like thing that we have. Like, yeah, we've got these forts named after the people that tried to secede and then we beat them. Mm-hmm. But we they were good people. 
So we named this Ford after mm. it. it makes zero sense. On all sides. I had a conversation recently with someone who had no idea in general who John Tyler was, which many people don't, yeah. but then was shocked to learn that he was buried under the Confederate flag. Like, wait, what? They can do that? It's like, yeah, yeah, they can. He died in 1806 at the age of 56, three days after swallowing a chicken bone, which lodged in his throat. Oh. He was a big boy. And three Joplin's, days? Three days. It lodged there in his throat, and it caused an infection. The infection is what caused him to die, not choking on the chicken bone. <laughs> Hold on. Not a ch- what year? Uh, 1806. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Mama Cass, right? Mama <laughs> Cass of the Mamas and Papas. That's he, how she died. He invented the choking on a chicken bone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She just improved upon it. <laughs> That is how she died. I, I think she died oh, a lot faster man. than three days. So if she, Mama Cass and Henry Knox sense. are somehow distant relatives, I would... And what, what year did he die? Uh, 1806. 18, so he was only 114 years away from being able to be saved. Because that's when Heimlich was born. Oh. 1920. See, I really like that. Yeah. I really I love that no one survived choking until Heimlich was <laughs> yeah. born in that narrative. <laughs> Zero. We lasted for three days. <laughs> yeah, they had three days. Three days. Had three days to birth Heimlich, and it just didn't happen. I ah. don't have any like long, ply whatever, um, tweezers, tweezers or something. I, I do know that before the Heimlich maneuver that there were like medical things that were just like reach in there and grab yeah, it. Yeah, just get it out. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the thing you were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, there are towns and cities and counties in Maine, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Kentucky, all Knox over the County. Midwest. Knox, 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 Knoxville. But Johnny. yeah, uh, what? Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> I have a good friend who is the principal at uh, North Knox Elementary School. Okay, cool. Yeah. As I was reading up, I'm like, man, Ethan Allen was another character, but Henry Knox just seemed to be this guy that I think if you met him in the bookstore, you'd be like, I want to hang out and have a drink with that guy. Yeah. You know, that bookstore sounds like a bookstore sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it does. It but sounds like a speakeasy. Kind I, I like the fact that he was an improviser. He's like, was well, Ethan Allen like was he the quartermaster? I don't know for sure. I think Ethan, uh, I know he was like either from New Hampshire or Vermont. He was let me look him up really quick. But why? What are you what are you going with? Well, I mean, like what was his role? Yeah, it would just I just yeah. did he decorate things like yeah, serve furniture. <laughs> He was on the night 1776 version of Queer Eye. I wonder why they call Did he it decorate Ethan things. Huh? Isn't it Ethan Allen's like <laughs> he was one of the furniture? And he stuff. was one of the founders of Vermont, and the uh, he was in on the capture of Fort Ticonderoga. So he's real crunchy granola. Helped form had a the, Subaru. <laughs> copy of uh, an inconvenient truth in the back. Yeah. yeah, Ethan Allen was in there somewhere. We might have to do another bonus episode on him. But yeah, anyway, uh, that, that's my story about Henry Knox, and I'm sticking to it. So. We are going to take a break then. Yeah. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about something. So please join us after this quick word from one of our amazing sponsors. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back, and thank you for listening. Blaine has the floor now with story number two. What you got, Blaine? Gaius Apuleius Diocles. Oh. Gaius Apuleius Diocles. Okay. He was born in 104 AD. Here we go. <laughs> All right. This is the oldest one I've ever done. This yeah. is great. In the Roman province of Lusitania. Mm. Oh. Yeah, which is a boat, right? Yeah. yeah it was. Lusitania Oh, was. that's what started World War One. Yeah. For us, at least. For us, yeah. yeah. Or the Great War. Well, that's what they thought. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know anything about his childhood or his <laughs> personal life. The papers didn't survive that long? What? Who? The, the family papers. No, didn't. most of what we know about Gaius. You got from his Diocles. I'm just going to call him Diocles. 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 
Ryan I, I had to Steelers. write out. I had to write out how to pronounce his name. Yeah, because I knew there was no way I was going to get it right. Diocles. Most of what we know is through inscriptions that were actually like chiseled while he was still alive, and then historians have built narratives know with everything else they've known around the time. He did start. <laughs> Chariot racing in 122 oh. AD at the age of 18. Okay. Yes. All right. How he, old do you have to get a license back then for charioting? We'll, we'll not really talk about that, but we'll talk about some more chariot racing All things. Right. So he uh, Which do you raced, think would be harder, the written test or the, the driving <laughs> test? Because chiseling. <laughs> well, so. Flintstones. We'll get there. Okay. He raced under the stable The White's. And he didn't win his first race for two years. So usually raced four horse chariots at Circus Maximus in Rome. Okay. He raced so, singles. So he's himself in the chariot, four horses. You think two and two or four across? It's got to be two and two. It's got to be yeah, two and two. You to be, if you're racing, it would have yeah, to be. Are you just racing against the best time? Or are you racing against people? No. So they did talk about in the article. I didn't write that part down. It's. They, you come out of stables, and I was imagining it like the Kentucky Derby because mm-hmm. he it gave his stats on like how many times he won out of like pole position in the mm. stables versus how many times he won from like second, third, or fourth. Oh, or whatever. okay, okay. So there was it, it. You definitely were racing. I mean, you've seen Ben Hur, yeah. Um, yeah. General Lou Walls, Circus Maximus. That was the name of the place. Is it like? Um I'm guessing it probably still exists and it's What's just that thing in called disrepair. C- circular in Rome where many the Colosseum? things happen. Colosseum. Mm. Is it like a Colosseum? I would assume Circus Maximus. I, I mean, look it up. I bet you it still exists because like Rome wasn't built in a day, but it has never been torn down. They tried. Mm-hmm. Only half the Colosseum. So the races were discreetly organized, financed, and managed behind the scenes by members of the Equestrian Order on behalf of wealthy patrons and investors. Okay. I just really like that there's a thing called the equestrian order. That is pretty cool. Like I just imagine them in like real tight khakis and yep. like they wear their helmets to the <laughs> to the meetings and yeah. they just they like rap on the table with their whips. Yeah. Their stupid boots. <laughs> Historians believe Diocles was at best a low class citizen. Okay. Possibly was a slave early in his life, but he raced for an unheard of 24 years. Wow. The reason it's unheard of is because chariot racing had a very high fatality rate. Sure. So, like, I mean, you're racing in these chariots and horses and people fall off uh, or get, like, murdered because, like, there were lots of gambling and things like that. The fix would be in and you didn't go with the fix or whatever. Yeah. Or they put, like, the spikes on the wheels. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like truck drivers. Like truck drivers. So he raced for six years for the whites, and then he went to the greens for three years, and he left because of issues with management. So the whites, the way I understand it, okay. is these colors, they aren't, like, a level of racing that's not, like, you know, um, you know, minor leagues and major leagues. Mm-hmm. Those are the names of, like, the teams that have the staples. Okay. Okay. So you'd have like Pinsky and Unser and sure. what it, right? But they have like hooligans associated with yeah. Them, right? So it's the Greens, clubs. the Whites, and then fifteen years he was with the Reds. Mm. So he moved to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or Soviet cor- Union. According mm. to an inscription, so this is what I talked about earlier. There's an inscription in Rome that was made while he was still alive. He won 1,462 of the 4,257 races he competed in. Jeez. He was second quarter. in 1,438 more of them. So wow. close to 3,000 of the 4,200 races, he was either first or second. Jeez. I don't know how many people are in these races, but I'm assuming this was more than two. Yeah. yeah. And how many horses did he go through? That's a good point. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah, because... I mean, how long does a chariot horse last? Back then? Yeah. Before pre-inflation? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you think they knew how to make glue yet? Oh, man. I mean, you they have a lot of extra, ho- like, dead horses, I imagine. It's a lot they of dead a, horses. It's a lot of dead horses. Although it's Rome, so I bet they could be like, just get us more. They probably yeah. ate. I bet oh, they ate them. I bet they ate them. Yeah. You're right. Classic Roman thing yeah. to do. Eat horse. 
So because he was such a popular and public figure, meticulous records like still kind of exist. I guess meticulous is a bad word if they kind of exist. Yeah. There was a lot of things written about the guy because he was popular and yeah. exciting. And because it was Rome, a lot of that is still like preserved and exists. So we okay. do Just get chiseled everywhere. A pretty good picture. Yeah, in like weird, like angular things. Yeah. Um he eventually earned enough money to qualify for membership of the equestrian order or to become a senator. Oh wow. Oh. But his profession excluded him from being able to do it. People who were morally or socially tainted or considered infamous were ineligible in higher rungs of society. So because he was a performer, hmm. he was tainted. he was not allowed to be in like an actual high class of society oh, because okay. even though he was super duper rich, that didn't matter. He still wasn't, you mm. know, it's like a caste system. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They were like, cool, you have more money than me. Don't care. Go perform. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we're still better than you. So a chariot, uh, rider mm -hmm. can't be a Senator, but Caligula's horse, like, Totally Senator. fine. Good point. Totally fine. Also, openly competing for money was considered distasteful. So he wasn't just, he was just not able to enter the upper class, mm -hmm. even though mm -hmm. they loved him because he was the yeah. best one to watch and he sure. was like the most exciting person mm -hmm. to watch. I'm trying to think of a modern parallel. There of, isn't one. Not necessarily of chariot rider, but of No, I'm of saying a like, if you, yeah, yeah. But if you were, if you, or LeBron James is going to be welcome in any room anywhere yeah. sure. as far as high society goes. Yeah. Serena Williams, she can go meet with the queen. Mm -hmm. She yeah. like that. This does not happen. Anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are the best, wait till you find out how much money you made. Yeah. Pete if you're Rose. the best athlete of, <laughs> yes, Pete Rose, <laughs> if you're the best athlete in the world mm -hmm. in what you do. And you're the highest, highest paid. Nothing is stopping you from being in like, Bill Gates is going to let you on his yacht. There is yeah. no thing that you don't have access to. He earned $35,863,120 sesterices, which oh. is like the coin or whatever. Yeah. How do you spell it? S-E-S-T-E-R-C-E-S. -E -E okay. Yeah. yeah. Take a guess what that translates to in today's dollar. 35 mil back then? Mm -hmm. hmm. I think it's one for one. Okay, I'm going to go quarter billion dollars. Ooh. The amount of money that he made in his career roughly translates to $12 billion, <laughs> making him the highest paid athlete of all time by a lot. Wow. $12 billion. <laughs> okay. Yes. And he wasn't the richest person? No, he was, but he okay. just wasn't allowed in the social class. Oh, got it. $12 <laughs> billion. Dollars. Yes. Okay, he can I need buy to all the back. horses he wants. How many? Uh, how many races did he run? Uh, one thousand. Oh, four four thousand two hundred fifty seven. Okay, all right, hang tight. I'm, okay. I'm just going to do some math here. Circus um, Maximus is like a stadium. It is like the Colosseum. I feel like he could have just bought Circus Maximus. Yeah, yeah, could have bought anything. But like the way their social class system, like his money, like it was probably one of those things where it's like your money's no good here. Your money is no good here. <laughs> I feel like he should have been able to pay off anybody that was keeping him from. You think? I mean, now, like, think going back. Let's go use my previous example. Yeah. If LeBron James had twelve billion dollars, yeah, there's nothing he couldn't do. No. How many races did this guy run? Four thousand two hundred and fifty-seven. Four two five seven. All right. Simple math. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's approximately two point eight million dollars a race. Yeah. That's even once that's he didn't Joe get Rogan first. Money. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of cash. And they still look down on him. So how much of it he got to keep was up for debate. But many historians believe that because of his status, he did keep most of it. Like he would have to pay out like his stable fees and things like yeah. that. And because there is a question mark on whether or not he was a slave, it's wow. possible yeah. somebody oh. else pocketed all that money. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Um, but the dollar amount itself is in stone in wow. Rome. Literally. It's, in, it's in that. Yeah, it's literally in stone. And so they've been able to do, you know, the calculations of whatever wow. sesterices is in dollars and, and, you know, all that. That and thought of it being in stone definitely makes me think of the Flintstones because everything mm -hmm. they did was, was that, like, uh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The bird. Yeah, yeah. 
The yes. bird. Yes, right? it was the yeah. bird. Yeah. So he re- It's a he, living. He, you know. <laughs> he retired to the small town of Preneste at the age of 42 and is believed that he died soon after in 146 AD. Wow. $12 billion. Highest paid athlete of all time. That's an amazing story. I've never... What's this guy's... Gaius... Gaius Apuleius Diocles. All right. I wonder what that translates to. It'd be funny if it was like Michael Jordan. That would be funny <laughs> if it translated to Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Do they still chariot race? Is that still a thing? I would imagine mm. it. Like, it's, like I, I imagine I bet like you it's like a, do medi- it, but... a medieval. What would you say? Like hipsters probably do it. Like hipsters Roman hipsters. And, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Suspenders. Fixed, fixed wheeled chariots. Um, the, I bet you it's probably like if Rome has a version of medieval times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say maybe like a reenactment. Which, man, I've always wanted to go to the one of those. Have you ever been to one of those? I want to go so bad. Uh, I did when I was a kid. There's one yeah. up by Chicago. I want to go so bad. I've been to like a legit like reenactment of like night, like a joust when oh, I lived like in a, Germany. Like a, oh, I was going to say like a Oh, yeah, no, fire, I bet that was legit. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool. But no, was, I want to go to the medieval level where I'm inside. I'm eating. There's a turkey leg involved. Yeah. Maybe that'll be our curling this year. Hmm. Oh, I forgot we went curling. <laughs> we that sure was did. so fun. Never forget. Never forget. Those halo helmets were really cool. We looked like a like monks. I bet they have chariot racing in Japan. That seems like something that they would do. Well, they've got that guy that was on TV for... I know. <laughs> chariot racing. It'd be... Huh. I'd be interested to see like how many people would protest it because of like saying that it was harmful to like the horses or something. To they be. don't care about the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, I bet they do. Oh, I mean, people do. They just haven't but, been able to shut it down. Yeah. I mean, this year, like seven horses died in Kentucky. Did they? Yeah, the like least weeks leading up to Kentucky was oh, like seven or eight horses died. Oh. Jeez. What? Chariot racing is popular today. It's known as harness racing. It's not the same oh, thing. Yeah, okay. you know what? Yeah. I mean, they're not to... standing though. They're sitting back there. Are they? Chariots are yeah. like No, harness racing, they are standing, but it's like a single person thing with two wheels. Yeah. I thought they it, were like sitting, kind of leaning back, like in a buggy I think it's situation. Both. I feel like it's both. Maybe. The one I'm picturing, it looks more like like the front end of a dunk tank. Yeah. That they're okay. standing in. Okay. Sure. They're called either uh like chariots of yore. Modern carts known as sulky or spider. Chariots of my what? <laughs> nice. Fire. They're called sulky or spider. Huh. That's what they're referred to as. I don't know what that means, and I don't want to read any more about it. Gaius Diocles. That's a great story. Where did you find that? Don't remember. Okay. I mean, Wikipedia, ultimately, but yeah. I learned about it from somewhere else. $12 billion. Yeah. $12 billion. Jeez. The, the original thing I saw said fifteen billion, but I looked at like there were multiple other sources that called it twelve. So that's I, insane. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that. Hold on, how much is you Bill think, Gates worth? You'd think if he had that money and could, he would just how buy the whole league. Oh, they, you think he would like buy out all the chariot? The, oh, the, okay. the league. Oh my god, the that's a real number. Good night. They have ostrich chariot races where they hook them to ostriches versus Where's horses. they? Where? Holy uh, crap. All right. I mean, there's a video of it. I've seen that. I mean, it's a screenshot Not of that video. specific video. I, I just looked up. I was like, maybe he made as much as Bill Gates. Nope. Bill Gates made 108 mi- is worth $108 billion. Wow. That's what? not. What's Bezos? It shouldn't exist. This care. is. All right. Now I'm mad. Let's go to break. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever opened your pantry and wondered, what am I going to do with these 32 half-used Yankee candles in here? Listen, home decorating can be hard, especially when you've got a thousand other things going on. You need the Jealous Neighbor. My sister Heather started the Jealous Neighbor to help homeowners use the furniture and decor they already have in their home, add to it on a budget, and discover the home they've always wanted. Whether you need help just sprucing up your home's entryway or you need your entire first floor redecorated, go to facebook.com slash thejealousneighbor to schedule your consultation with my sister Heather. She will guide you through an hour consultation in person or virtually, help you assess the furniture and decor you already have in your home, and give you a plan to take your home from bow to wow. Get an hour of redecorating with Heather free when you mention that you heard about The Jealous Neighbor on the Presequential Podcast. Go to facebook.com slash thejealousneighbor today. 
Welcome back. Uh, it's the moment that we've all been waiting for. Producer Russ always brings the heat. Closing up uh, the third story of the night, Russ Slivka, we give the floor to you, my friend. All right. It was the early 1800s on the coast of northeast England in a small town of Hardlepool. Okay. Have you heard of Hardlepool? No. All right. It's a small town. You might not have. You mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, it was... It was Almost there to pool, but it was not. Hardly. Is this the original pool. Melon Camp? Yeah. <laughs> I was born in a small town. Go ahead, Russ. All right. Uh, I hardly pooled in a small town. Hardly pool sounds like a uh, a Batman character, like Harvey Dent or Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn, hardly yeah. hardly pool. Yeah. The local fishermen were out in their boats when they caught sight of a French ship. Oh, so this was during like the Napoleonic Wars. They caught. Side of friendship? <laughs> there it I'm is. I'm sure they did. I mean, they were out drinking. That I'm looks sure they nice just looked around. There. Why are we holding hands suddenly? <laughs> Behold, uh, friendship. <laughs> so it was during the Napoleonic Wars who, that had been raging forever. Yeah. You know, they had he lost, lived forever. Yeah. Since the time of Diocles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of that, because of these wars, there's been, they knew of, Thousands of people that had been killed by it at that point. I mean, they were very anti-French. Oh this, yes, oh, we we obviously. <laughs> in this, I fart in your general direction. <laughs> but they had never met a French person before, or heard one talk, or you know, oh, gosh, seen that must, one. That must have been wild the first time you heard yeah. a French person talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, will you spit those marbles out? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? So they could really only we have base to take their, a nap right now. <laughs> <laughs> they could really only base their understanding of the French based upon like political cartoons or whatever. Oh, oh. was just perfect. I'm sure yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Were, that's that's essentially where I've based my understanding of the French on. I'm sure yeah. those were totally fair. I no, yeah, totally yeah, fair, yeah. accurate. You know, of course. Uh, <laughs> they they saw a French ship and it was sinking. Mm. within mm. a distance and because of the, I mean they weren't going to help you know they're not going to help a French ship sure so when the hardly poodlians mm. is what they're called <laughs> hardly poodlians hardly like poodlians. they're a mixed breed oh. dog like hypoallergenic oh yeah 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 <laughs> sorry uh, alright I'm sorry is your dog hardly poodlian is he <laughs> No, but that's what they well, call people from it's, Hardly Poodle. It's a Hardly Poodle. <laughs> Typoallergenic. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. When it's hair, not fur. Yeah. That's nice. It's, a, well, Jackson's allergic, <laughs> so we had to get the uh, hypoallergenic Hardly Poodle. How are Jackson and Brinley doing, by the way? <laughs> uh, it's B-R-Y-N-L-E-I-G-H. Yeah, no, Brinley. Yeah, I thought. It's, no, it's Brinley. Oh, Brinley. <laughs> yeah. All right. Brinley, Jackson, get in. So instead of rowing out to help the sinking friendship, they went back to shore. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to fix the friendship. <laughs> it's sinking. It's metaphorical. <laughs> that was not their intention at all. They headed back to safety on their own land, and then they, you know, had a few drinks mm, and just do. got drunk on the beach and watched this <laughs> ship sink. What kind of ship was this? Was this like a uh, French naval ship? Yeah, a French naval ship. ship. Wow, this is a military. Sorry, I didn't yeah, know. If it, like it a merchant a, ship or a it's Napoleonic. A, that's yeah. right. Okay. War. Huh. <laughs> What is it good for watching French ships sink? <laughs> Say it again now. What? Didn't so, War also do a... No, I'm thinking that's War a song called song. War. Yeah. Yes. War the You're band. You're thinking Lowrider. Did Lowrider. Yeah. That French ship was getting real close to Lowriding. That French ship is a Lowrider. Uh, so while they were on the shore watching... Sink a little ship. <laughs> Sink a little ship. Sink a little ship with me. Sink a little ship. Sink a little ship. Sink a little ship in the sea. <laughs> this is normally where I would like drink something while you guys were doing your thing. I can't drink anything. 
So they were talking about what they would do if they saw like a French person trying to swim to shore. Oh. Um, I'd drown him. Well, they said they would take him captive and then try to gain information from him mm, and yeah. then relay oh, it yeah. to prank him in my basement for hours. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Have you seen that sketch? No, no. It's an SNL sketch of Christopher Walken, and he's like on a prank show, and he's like, yeah. yeah. I got him and I tied him up and I pranked him in the basement for hours with <laughs> oh, a soldering iron. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so there was only one survivor. And mm. when they caught a glimpse Beyonce. of this survivor. Un survivor. Yeah. It was Destiny's child. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just one. He was clinging to a piece of like the broken up ship. And was the sea door? was carrying him directly towards the fishermen. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> They're like, oh, we talked about this. Oh, we did. What are we going to do? What, what, what do you say we were going to do? Crap, I never thought I'd have to actually do stuff. <laughs> Please help me, Hadley Pudley. No, he's not French. They're not, They're French. not French. No. The oh, no, you're the French. Door. I'm the French man. There was the enough sea. room for Jack on that door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the French man clinging to the boat. So they ran out and surrounded him. They grabbed his arms, which they noticed were hairier than theirs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? So they immediately tied his arms behind his back, oh. as one does. And he was shorter. He was hairier. And mm-hmm. what they had heard about the French and like Napoleon, Napoleon was very short. And in all the political cartoons, they were, you know. I guess Harry. I don't know. So it hmm. didn't surprise them. They were like, "Yes, this is definitely a first yeah. checks out." Yeah, this short Harry guy. Yeah. yeah. As it turned out, the hairy little man was a monkey. <laughs> that wait, what? The hairy little man was a monkey. <laughs> they were like, "I've seen the cartoons. That's a Frenchman. That's a Frenchman. Yeah. <laughs> it was a monkey. Yeah. It's a Frenchman. I mean." I, you can't, you can't blame ever, them. Had, had they ever seen a monkey? Well, you can't blame them too much because the French had dressed this monkey up like in a naval uniform. He was, was he, like their mascot. Mascot, yeah, sure. He was, he was their mascot and yeah. the only surviving survivor of um, wow. this, this shipwreck. That is Le Commodore. Mm-hmm. Le Commodore. I think, I think he's pretty high ranking. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's but, just like... but to their credit like chimps don't have tails so like you know they they may not have seen like a a tailless monkey before they were like have you guys have you ever switched train tracks before (laughs) (laughs) that's a deep cut reference yeah we need a train switcher (laughs) and obviously the hmm, hardly plutians yes hardly poodlians had never seen a monkey before so and they'd never seen a frenchman either so it's wow. They're like they're super dumb. Also, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, they're they're really dumb. But I wonder if they thought that what he was saying was actually French, because like obviously oh. this chimp had to be. Oh, oh. so they arrested him. <laughs> they tied his hands behind his back, and then they arrested him, and then they took him to the town square to begin to question him. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> But every answer that the little Frenchman, little Napoleon, we'll call him, uh, would give was just screeches and like <laughs> that they didn't understand. And they just assumed that it was French. <laughs> no translator. Nope. Nope. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, he that's just funny. simply refused to speak English, which infuriated them. Yeah. How insolent. <laughs> yeah. Here in my country, <laughs> speak my language. Yeah, because according to the Hardly Poolians, Poodlians, they knew that everyone could speak English if they wanted to. Mm, sure, he's just not <laughs> trying hard enough. So keep something from him. <laughs> well, it's his problem. Yeah. So after question, after questioning the poor monkey for hours. <laughs> <laughs> And why are his legs so short? <laughs> As one furry French Gosh, bastard. His arms are so dang long. I, I, so, <laughs> loves throwing poop at us, too. So uh, after they questioned him yes. and they didn't get any answers, they held a trial. And the monkey was still dressed in his French 
attire. Um, his Regalia. Yeah. His hands are tied. He didn't have time to change. He didn't have time to change. <laughs> they held a trial and he was convicted of being a French spy. Mm. And he was sentenced to How die. How do you know she is a French spy? <laughs> yeah. He weighed the same as a duck. Yeah. Therefore, I bet it was something like that. Yeah, probably sounds just like it. <laughs> yeah. probably we shall use my larger scale. <laughs> <laughs> he was sure. sentenced to die by hanging. Jeez, that is... Yeah. Please don't tell me we're hanging a monkey in this episode. So they oh, uh, built gallows from the shipwreck, and that monkey was Meta. hanged in the town square. No. Yeah, wow. they hanged the monkey dead. They sure did. Wow. Uh-huh. What year was this? This was early the 1800s. early 1800s. Jeez. Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> yep. You don't remember when the Napoleonic Wars <laughs> No, were? I don't. And that's weird that the Napoleonic Wars were in the 1800s. Right? Like, I mean, we were just I mean, talking were about people named with, Napoleon? With Johnny Knoxville or yeah, Heck H- Knox. Henry Knoxville. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't, it's pretty close. Yeah. You know. Yeah, a little bit overlap. Oh yeah, no. Well, yeah, I guess French, like in French the Revolution. in the screen in this uh like grand scheme of things, it does yeah. feel like Napoleon was way before. Yeah. Yeah. So over the centuries, this legend has been passed down in Hardly Pool. And they like embraced it. We are We were so stupid. Uh-huh. Let's celebrate it. Every like they year. lament the fact that they No, no. Oh, sounds no, no. Like they're, they're very proud. Uh this is a very Stone proud. Mountain situation going so, on in, in Hardly Pool. Yeah. So, what for example, Mountain? you don't know Stone Mountain. You need to ask your uh, who's who's the guy in your family, the the uh, Stonewall Jackson guy. Is that oh, Georgia? That's my stepdad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask him about it. Stone okay. Mountains. Oof. Mm. Look up Stone Mountain. That sounds okay. really. That's in Georgia, right? Yeah. Aren't all mountains Stone Mountains? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, aren't all mountains <laughs> in Georgia? <laughs> no, like, isn't that's a weird name for a mountain? Yeah. So the residents of Hartleypool at football matches soccer. today, soccer, soccer, yes, yes, football yes. between local Stone rivals. Mountain Park, America, Atlanta's favorite destination for family fun. What's oh, I've been there. I went on one of those stay in the car safari things where the giraffes stick their head through the. I don't think this is the same stone. Mountain. I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay keep, keep looking. Going. Go, 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 go. All right. So their football team. <sighs> Their mm-hmm. soccer team. You're finding it, aren't you? <laughs> yep. Blaine just went to the right Stone, Stone Mountain. Mountain. Stone Mountain is essentially Mount Rushmore of Confederate generals. Oh, yeah. It is, oh, no, that it was is not Stonewall was. Jackson, Robert E. Lee, and Jefferson Davis on the side of a mountain. Yeah. Is it still Georgia. there? Yeah. There's yeah. a picture of it. It's a big Yikes. deal. Yikes. Yeah. I feel it mm. was the birthplace of the modern KKK. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. I feel Look like it if, up. This, if this monkey would have showed up on the shores of Georgia, we might have had a very It would have been the same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, they would have done the same thing. They'd yeah. be like, that guy looks French. Yeah, yeah it is It is essentially <laughs> a, a shrine to white supremacy. That but go guy on, looks wow. French. Mm-hmm. So uh, modern day Hardly Pool United, which is their soccer team, their no, chant is... Oh, gosh. Death to chimps? Nope. Who hung the monkey? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're super proud of it. Oh, um, oh gosh. Yeah, they love the story. Even Hardly Pool United's mascot is a monkey called Hang Us. The monkey. H apostrophe A-N-G-U-S. Like H Angus the monkey. Angus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the local rugby union team in Hardly Pool called the Rovers are known as the Monkey Hangers. Oh no! It's bananas. Hey, England. B a n a n a s. On that uh, note, oh, I'm sorry, Russ. Is oh, there more? more. Oh, 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 there's more. There's there's more. So, in 2002, yes, during the how do you spell hardly? H a r t l e p o o l. Hartley Pool. Hartley Pool. But it's pronounced Hartley Pool. Hartley Pool. Hartley Pool. Okay. I just asked my British friend if he knew about Hartley Pool. <sighs> yep. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, where we hung the monkey? Yeah. yeah. During the 2002 mayoral race in Hartley Pool, uh, Stuart Drummond campaigned dressed in the Hengus the Monkey costume. Wow. And used the election slogan, free bananas for school children. Like <sighs> the entire time he okay. was in this costume. I don't. 
what a wild thing to like hang your hat on. Like we were so stupid. Uh huh. We thought this animal was a French person, so we tried him and hung him. Yes. And we're proud of that. Yes. Yeah. Well, what? I think it's, I think it's one of those things where the towns adjacent to Hartley Pool uh-huh. used to make fun of them for this legend. Like yeah. It was obviously it's like you guys are so stupid. You thought a monkey was French. Yeah. And they just flipped it around and decided to embrace it. Just embraced it. It's like Hoosier, right? Yeah, well, because Hoosier was an on, insult. Depending on which just, definition you accept. Yeah. yeah. But it was like <clears throat> that. Sure. Somewhat derogatory looking down upon. But yeah, then they're like, ah, we're it. just going to embrace it. We're just going to own it. Yeah. Mm, man. He, he did get elected mayor. Wow. For the next four elections, he didn't uh, keep his promise about the bananas for every school children, though. School oh, that's child. I mean, that's kind of like when you're running for school board or school class president and you're like uh, new vending machines. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have any control over. You're that never going to get the yeah. vending machines. What do school presidents even do? Like put it on their resume. Yeah. Yeah. But like Feel good else. about Is themselves even... for seven months. Hmm. And then they have to play in the class reunion, I believe. I think oh. you're right. So I don't think 18-year-old right. you understands what 38-year-old yeah. you is going to have to do. You're really signing up for a lot yeah. there. You feel That's really great. good about yourself for six months yeah. at 18, and then at 38 you're like, oh, God, I don't uh, want to do geez. any of this. Why did so, I need that much external <laughs> affirmation? So when I was researching this, I kept running across these pictures of this monkey dressed up like Napoleon. Mm. Wait, they have pictures? Uh-huh. No. I'm going to show them to you. Um, Please do. But they're not this monkey. So this in 1915. An artist rendering. Uh, they're <laughs> photographs. Oh, God. I assure you. Uh, in 1915, it was a thing for, I don't know, people to dress up monkeys. I don't okay. know what it is. So there was this chimpanzee who became very famous because the artist. Trains. Would, yeah, right, right. would pose him in Napoleon regalia, regalia mm-hmm. called him Little Nap, and would pose him like uh, on a bicycle. Oh, my. On a, oh on a bicycle. How could you Napo- hang that? Napoleon How could on a you bicycle? look at that and be like, we should hang it? <laughs> we are seeing yeah. pictures now of a chimpanzee on I mean, that's podium. the cutest thing I've seen today. It's yeah, adorable. He's, he's got his little hand in his yeah. jacket yeah. like Napoleon does. <laughs> he's got a little he, sword. He's on a bicycle. He has a he's cool, like, yeah, no, he's he's, he has a, one of those cool hats that James Madison wore. Wow. That's he's on a, a be- motorcycle. Gosh, monkeys. In the sidecar, he yeah. has another. I assume it's uh, his Cleopatra, Napoleon's Cleopatra, chimpanzee. Here's the deal, man. There are a lot of cool like chimps and monkeys in history. We, we didn't we talk about one in the Reagan episode, the uh, bedtime for Bonzo. Oh yeah, he tried yeah. to kill Ronald tried, Reagan. Tried to kill. Him. There's some, there'd be an interesting <laughs> turn of history of what if the chimp succeeded? Yeah. What would have happened? Oh, it's the planet. Well, of the we apes, wouldn't have basically. trickle down economics. Yeah, or oh yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, you meant in in. Killing Reagan. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant just like succeeded, like taking yeah. over the world. Isn't there like a Stephen King thing of like um, uh, if Kennedy wasn't killed? Stephen King thing? I think it is. Who's the, oh, who's um, the dead behind the eyes actor who was in uh, 17 hours or 27 hours? Oh, James Franco. Franco. He He's in it. Oh, he's we in definitely the, talked about this. In what? In, in this, I think it's called thing. like eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, no, it is. I've, I've watched it. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, he yeah. goes back in time and has the opportunity yeah. to like stop it. Or Correct. Yeah. It's propaganda. <laughs> is it propaganda for what? The one, the single shooter theory. Oh, oh God. magic bullet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. We talked about that in the in the Kennedy episode, right? <laughs> I feel who, like we've talked about who, it a couple who, times. Who who, uh, who killed Kennedy? We may never know. We will never know. No. Hmm. Do you think there are people who do know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe not still alive. Well, yeah. no, there was. There's a Secret Service, the Secret Service agent that was in the car with he him. He just came out with Just a, wrote a yeah, book. Yeah. Because his conscience. And like that, I don't know, that doesn't add up to me either. Like was, that, He found like a bullet casing or something and on the And he put it on the, um, the gurney. The carrier? Oh. And it ended up on the gurney of the governor of Texas. Oh. Instead of... JFK's, and so people just assumed that bullet went to his body instead of JFK's. Interesting. Yeah, and he's like, "I got to talk about it now." And all these people are like, 
you're 85. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you have said something earlier? Yeah. Blah, blah, yeah. Who's he saying did it? He, I don't think he is. I think he's just saying, like, I definitely heard this many shots, and from the trajectory of the way his body moved, they couldn't yeah. have come from that place. Yeah. Hmm. What happened to the Zapruder family? That's what I, because that was the film that everybody's seen. paid, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That was a little tangent. We just went off. Russ, are you? Uh, have well, it you, could have been like a chimpanzee on the grassy knoll. Could have been. It could have been trained by the CIA. In a little French outfit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A little Napoleon. Might not have been. Most likely not. But you can't outrule it. You can't outrule it. <laughs> Give me a better theory than that. Uh, Russ, your stories are always my favorite. Uh, offense, right. Blaine. And offense to myself that Russ's are my favorite. I hear oh, from. Well, sure, that's fine. I, I hear from. All listeners that I meet that your stories are their favorite. So thank you, Russ, for always making us laugh. Um, And thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. If you would like to help make more episodes available and possible, please become a patron of the Presequential Podcast. There's a link in the show notes or you can go to patreon.com slash presequential for five or ten dollars a month. Uh, You can get all kinds of cool rewards, access to us, etc. We appreciate you listening. This has been Episode 7 of Season 5 of Historically Adjacent, brought to you by the Presequential Podcast. We'll see you again in two weeks. 